hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funky Strictly Munkin, the only show that would be unable to be a six-way murderer if one of the ways to kill someone was via Funkin, because uh, we only monk. I tried to tie it into the episode, and it did not go well. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jake Christie, joining as always by Andre Brera. Andre, how are you? Jake, I'm good. I'm a little sad about uh, what happens in this episode. Not for like that reason, but we'll get into it. Yeah, um, so we're talking about Mr. Monk and the really, really, really dead guy. Um, first and foremost, what did you think of the title? Because I, you know, I, it's it's definitely a unique title in Monk in that it actually doesn't really, like, it. you'd be forgiven if you didn't remember what episode this was. I'll say this, it was apt, because, my God, talk about overkill. It's true, but I guess the thing is, because every time I do the Monk podcast, I always get a text from my mom being like, what episode is this, Jake? And I normally respond with the episode title because it's usually self-explanatory, you know? Like, the episode yeah. where Monk goes to a wedding is called Mr. Monk Goes to a Wedding. But with this one, I had to be like, Mr. Monk the really, really dead guy. It's the one with all the technology. Because I think that that's kind of the way that... I mean, what I'll say is, I remember the ads for it were all focused on Monk using technology. Like, you didn't know he was a serial killer type thing until the actual episode. Right, yeah, no, and, like, I didn't realize that that was going to be the case going into it. Um, I should have probably picked up on the some of the stuff going on earlier, but, uh, yeah, no, it's nice to see Monk dabbling in the 20, 20th century. Yeah. 21st century? Well, 21st yeah, century. Well, we're currently in the 21st century, but he, uh, according to Julie's joke, he's still in the 20th century when she says, welcome to 1998. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, Um, And so we start off. I was confused by that for a second. For a second, I thought that, the, like, this whole show took place in, like, 1996. No, it's, you, like, it weirdly takes place in the 90s, but it's never said explicitly, like, the Harry Potter movies. Um, anyway. Or, like, that movie, uh, It Follows. I've never seen it, but that takes place in the 90s. I'm sure it, sure it does. Well, no, no, no. It's weird because everything seems super, like, vintage and stuff, but this chick is, like, on a phone that's, like, a clamshell that is, like, it's, I don't know. It's so it's the aughts is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, It's the aughts, but it was made by, like, an indie director who likes vintage stuff. Um, Correct. Yeah. The guy who directed um, my fa- one of my favorite movies, uh, Under the Silver Lake. Right, right, right. Anyway, we start off with a guy who probably loves the movie Under the Silver Lake if he didn't die. We start off with a street performer. Um... He's really nice shot. Really nice shot of downtown uh, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They they got the crane. They 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 splurged and got crane money. Um, and and yeah. you know what? I don't know if this is what you want to. If I had a crane, I definitely wouldn't film this guy because uh, Don's supposed to speak ill of the dead, but he's not that good. No, he's not that good. Um, unfortunately, it's uh, not many people out in the street, so his. Uh, his pull for the night, not yeah. not doing so well. Now, the thing that's good about New York is that almost, like, obviously there's some people who are just clearly just you playing something for, because they're without a home and are desperate for money, but, like, the actual, like, people who spe- have, they put in the effort to, like, busk with mu- music and stuff in New York are all, like, not all, but generally really, really good, and so, like, if that guy was in New York, he would get zero dollars, because there's, there's, like, a guy playing, like, uh, electronic harp two blocks down who's the best musician you've ever heard you know um right especially in, like the That's subways true. too like you get like some real good shit um yeah not that it's what you want to hear when you're waiting for like the two train but you know right so uh so it looks like he made 750 tonight so that means unfortunately for him he's gotta he's gotta walk home mm-hmm. there's also a good point to do another tangent again where i i once wrote uh 40 pages of a screenplay a fake like a parody screenplay called From Busk Still Dawn but I ended up giving up on it because it didn't really have a pl- it barely had a plot um, but anyway it was it was about a guy who want- it was basically it took place in like a fake it was like a very parody very jokey movie where it was basically a world where there's a such thing as a really famous busker and it was a guy who moved to the big city to try to make it big in busking but he like he fell in love with a girl and her dad hated buskers. Anyway, it was dumb. <laughs> two two things. Mm-hmm. One, I don't know what the hell a busker is, okay. and two, um, still waiting for my invitation or for my appointment to record my lines. I you'll get it. Don't worry about that. Uh, honestly, I keep putting it off because I know you you'll do it. But also, uh, a busker is someone who like does a performance on the street for money. A busker. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it's it. Catch-all okay. term. Uh, from busk till dawn. Did I come up with the title first? Of course I did. Anyway, so he's walking, and he's being followed. Speaking of it, follows. Yep. And uh, he gets hit over nice. the old head, and then he gets suffocated. Yeah. Then he gets poisoned. Yeah. Then he gets stabbed. Uh-huh. 
then he gets shot, uh-huh. and then he gets run over. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I thought this was going to be a, uh, an episode focused on group sex, but unfortunately for him, um, it was just his uh, the way he was going to die. Mm. You've heard of 100 Ways to Die? Well, this guy had six of them. Yes, 100 Ways to Die. Wait, you're talking about the old show, or is that something else called 100 Ways to Die? The show, yeah. or was that 1,000 Ways to Die? It was 1,000 Ways to Die. And also, you know, yeah. apparently most of those were completely fabricated, uh, which is funny, because of course That's they were. That's unfortunate. I know. Um, I remember the one that was real though was there was one where I always remember where it was like a gigantic balloon was put on a college campus that was filled with like helium and two kids went into it to to like make out and have sex but they ended up dying because it wasn't filled with oxygen (laughs) which that's fun um what was it filled with it was like helium or something like that because it was a balloon so they died from helium like overdose yeah well because not less helium overdose and more there was no oxygen if you put any gas that's not oxygen in something you'll die (laughs) you know Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, they got. I assume you, there's probably a lethal amount of healing you could intake, but no matter what it is, if there's no oxygen, you're fucked. Anyway, we then go to okay. the, uh, the the theme song, and then we're back, and we're in another murder scene. How did you, you feel a little confused there? Uh, no, I kind of thought this was like a serial killer episode, so I figured he struck multiple times. However, I did notice that she didn't die, or didn't appear she died in six ways, so I was just unclear mm. on how that was going to work yeah. out. Um, and so, yes, this poor woman. Uh, she's dead in the the doorway of a convenience store, not where I want to go. Her name is it's something, Garnett, Garnet, something Garnett, yeah. Jean Garnett, Jean Garnett. Not the way I'd want to go. Um, you know, but uh, Natalie apparently about is expecting a call from a co-pilot on United, which right, yeah, which you know, uh, Disher is like talking to her and she's like to let she's giving him the scoop and he's basically making comparisons between being second in command. On a plane, and basically him being second in command when it comes to mm-hmm. investigation. Yeah, good banter. And also, I'm just gonna say, just gonna say, Natalie, honestly, like, if you're gonna be like waiting for a call for you know someone, a pilot's not bad. It's a good job. You know, he probably seems a respectable yeah. guy. You know, um, you know, just uh, not. D- just hope it's not. Just hope it's not Denzel from Flight. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, but you know, he's if. He, he could be very adventurous in the bedroom, you know, flipping you over without warning. Um, Just sniffing coke, getting right. I mean, I was going more for the thing where he flips the plane over, but yes, he also probably sniffing coke too. Um, anyway, uh, Monk notices the smell of cognac, which shouts to cognac. Um, Love cognac. It's great. Uh, and I wonder if it was a little Hennessy or a little Quavassier. Um, VSOP, maybe? Yeah, well, I mean, that's just a type of... Uh, Cognac, I think. Oh, come I don't on. know what it stands for, but it, you know, it's. I, I honestly have no idea. In my mind, it's very special, and then something else, but it's definitely not that. Anyway, we learned that she worked in pharmaceutical sales, which for all our Mike's, all the psych fans out there, uh, shouts to Burton Guster, um, and uh, you know, because she, she there apparently was like a con- conference in town for pharmaceuticals. There was a convention. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Monk correctly guesses that and correctly guesses that her name is Jean, to which Stott just is like, you know, he's like, damn, you know, like, I'm still impressed after all these years. Turns out Monk just got the info from a name tag that was found on her. Yes. And so then Natalie... But yeah. that's not the only thing they found. No, what else did they find? They found glasses, a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Might have been hers? Nope. Actually, it's not, because apparently, according to Monk, she was wearing contacts, mm-hmm. so... Now you, like, uh... Glasses. Well, now, you could just have them on you. you wear glasses, right? Yeah. And do you wear contacts ever? Yes, I'm wearing contacts That's what now. I I'm like I'm legally blind. You're legal are you legally really legally blind? Yeah, like my prescription's negative seven point seven five. I'm su- I would have which, thought that they wouldn't be if you were legally blind they wouldn't be able to make contacts good enough for you, but shouts to that. Um They do. They did well. Uh, I'm happy. but like my glasses, every time I get them, unless I get like unless I pay extra, the the lenses go past the frame almost wow. on all of them. Jeez. Yeah, that's how blind I am. That's great. Uh, so yeah, they Monk, no, it's not. <laughs> Monk is right uh, about. I mean, excuse me, you're right that you could just have them, but they are in her glasses. Basically, what we learn. Um, yes, yes. And at this time, Natalie has to run to a gas station. Well, the convenience store, gas station, bathroom, uh, which I wouldn't advise. You know, I think that's not even a monk. Well, she's pretty. She's pretty. She's pretty visibly pregnant at yeah. this point. So yeah. maybe she did got. Yeah, they didn't. Here. They didn't do a good job. This episode. She wasn't. No, her. not at all. She wasn't holding a lot of stuff in front of her. Um, but uh, yeah, she has to run to the bathroom. Um, I hope that she had enough time to put some toilet paper down on the toilet seat. 
Um, I thought, to be honest, like I had a comment that like I thought maybe she was still continuing her being pregnant from or pretending to be pregnant for mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Monk is at your service. Yes, right. She was getting ready for a role. She she was preparing for a role actually. I think that's the first time that I've referenced a previous episode and knew the episode title. The thing, once again, we talked about this before. The great thing about Monk is that the episode titles are pretty easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, but this is the first oh, no. time oh, no, that I've gotten that in I, fucking I should, five I seasons. I sure to congratulate you. I apologize. Thank you. Um, thank and you. so uh, she's in the bathroom and Monk has her purse. And Monk also notices that she must have been on a date with a doctor. Um Oh, no, they didn't, Monk doesn't notice that. It's that her brother says that she mentioned she was going on a date with the doctor. Um, and then Natalie's phone starts ringing in Monk's, uh, the purse that Monk's holding. And, of course, Monk doesn't get to it in time. He does not answer it. Yeah, first of all, it takes him forever to, to find the phone. Fine, fair enough. But once he gets it, he has no idea. Um, yeah, doesn't know how to answer a phone. And because he missed the call... She missed it because apparently this guy is calling from a private number, mm-hmm. so she's screwed. Exactly. Or she's not screwed. Well, exactly. That's the whole thing. Um, and now, now yeah. she's frustrated the rest of the episode because she, you know, it, uh, he was gonna land his plane in her runway, and now she's completely. Alone. Now he's and now he's gonna take flight. Exactly. He's gonna take flight. Or no, he's gonna have to fi- land in an alternative airport. Um, yeah. And apparently, though, there's another phone call, and uh, yep, Stavmar got gets it. It's from the deputy commissioner. That's you know it's big, right? There's a serial mm-hmm. killer, baby. Yeah, so they get called off the scene, and they're on their way to downtown San Francisco slash downtown LA because that's literally City Hall. Honestly, it it doesn't. I know I know that it's downtown LA. One because I know that Monk's mostly filmed in LA, and because I've seen a Michael Mann movie. But uh, oh but, yeah, damn. But the thing is, the great thing about downtown LA, though, is that, like, other than Michael Mann, no one shoots there. So, like, it really doesn't stick out that much to me, not no, not being from LA. Because, like, everywhere in LA is famous, except for the downtown area, you know? That's true, but I'm, like, oddly very familiar with this, because it was literally on the way home every day from work mm-hmm. um, for, like, four years straight. No, believe me, I completely understand why you are. I think if you're saying that, like, downtown LA is one of those yeah, places yeah. where, like, it's not... It's not like if they tried to film somewhere in Beverly Hills. It's not Sonata. Yeah, 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 exactly. If you're thinking about something filmed in L.A., you're not thinking of downtown L.A. Exactly. Once again. Um, Unless it's like a Christopher Nolan movie. No, but Christopher Nolan doesn't really film downtown. He normally film. I think maybe – I think his movies are filmed in – I think the Dark Knight movies are filmed in Chicago and Pittsburgh, I thought. Um, well, no. Dark Knight, uh, like a lot of the scenes are downtown L.A. Oh. And my, the point be, well, and who's Christopher Nolan's biggest inspiration as director? Michael Mann. I mean, he, it's all Michael Mann is the reason why anyone knows anything about downtown L.A. Uh, By the way, have you have you seen you've seen Collateral? Of course, I've seen Collateral. I've only seen it once, and it was in two thousand and four yeah, or whenever it came rules. out. I need to see <laughs> that again, rules, really badly. Yeah, anyway, yeah. that's Collateral. Honestly, the movie's all about downtown LA. Like, man, it's yeah. the only LA. It's the only movie ever to feature the LA subway system, both in dialogue and in setting. Anyway, um, so the FBI comes in. They got a big old bus, like a big truck. And apparently yep. this is the future of law enforcement. And then in 2007, when this episode came out, a full five years after it stopped being funny, if I can say so myself, they do a bit where someone's talking into a Bluetooth, but the person that's in front of them thinks they're talking to them. I'm going to – that's stopping funny 2002. I'm just going to say it. That, it's just not – it just doesn't work. Yeah, it's very hackneyed. Um, have I fallen victim to this? Oh, of 100%. course. 100%. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know. But it's also Monk. He's a troglodyte, so that's the whole thing. Yes. Um, and so, basically this guy, this FBI agent, whose name I honestly didn't write down, um... Agent Thorpe. Agent Thorpe, thank you. Uh, is basically like, oh, there must be two Adrian Monks, you know, uh, because there's one, I heard about a brilliant detective, but you're, you know, an idiot, basically. And so, we learned that from the, like, the tech guy, who either plays Ed or Larry in the West Wing, and that's not my memory failing me, the joke is that these guys, Ed and Larry, always get confused with each other, and now I just don't remember if he's Ed or Larry. He, uh, I'm pretty sure that's cancelable at this point. No, because the other guy's white. So, <laughs> well, why the hell would you ever? Okay. Well, no, because right. they both have the same job in the show. They're both like low okay. level. Well, I'm guys. glad. I'm glad that that's the case because I was literally like, like, wow. No, 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 no. no, no. They're they're one. Of the, the other guy's white. Uh, but uh, the the tech guy changes all the street lights. So you're like, oh, this is this is the future. These guys have uh, you know the same capabilities as you know freaking super spies. Uh, yep. 
So they go to the Emmy, and um, we learn that the body was found in a parking lot. And so obviously we know it means that the body was moved. And Monk is not really paying attention. Yeah, no, he's not. Um, he's not paying attention because he's just... Um, he's God, looking at the other body. On. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, you meant you forgot to mention that they have that like super cool technology that changes their traffic lights. That's right. They said that. I said they changed the lights. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, shit. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so I was anyway, reading something. He's looking at the other body, and Thorpe is just a dickhead. This is a dead woman. He's like, she yeah. doesn't matter. That case doesn't exist. You don't exist. You're freaking. I bet your dick doesn't exist. You know. At least, at least he does say like he says this poor woman a couple times just to like you know cue him up for being a real fucking asshole yeah. for the rest of the time. Yeah, and so the monk immediately like well first they ask the Emmy for the cause of death, and there's you know a good moment where he goes through all the causes of death, um, and uh, I do like the bit- which is oh wait, we already went through which it. is I wrote okay, it down no 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 but but like okay, okay yeah so it's a blunt force trauma obviously got whacked in the head. Then he was punctured with poison, and then something that led to petechial hemorrhaging. I'm not sure exactly how that happened. Um, you suffocated. But then he was su- was suffocated, yeah. suffered two gunshot wounds, mm-hmm. four stab wounds, and then was run over mm-hmm. finally yeah. again. Yes. Not great. I do like the bit where they keep cutting Natalie. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, and the, but then Monk he he finds. A- and props and props to the guy who ends up doing mm-hmm. it. Because that's actually a pretty cool. Uh, I mean, not not cool, but like no, no, a no, really good serial serious. killer name. Yeah, the six way. Yeah, killer cool serial killer name. I mean, in terms of coming up with your own serial killer names, like generally people are pretty bad at it. Like the Zodiac was pretty good. Zodiac was pretty good, um, although he copied it from a watch ad. But uh, damn, I love that God, movie too. Jesus Christ, we talk about it every episode, and I don't really mind. Um, it's San Francisco, but. The yeah, most of the best serial killer names have been come up with by other people. Like I think that like BTK is pretty overrated, and he came up with it. I think. Um, actually, no, if I remember correctly, BTK gave a list of names, and most of them sucked except for BTK, which of course he did. Because if you know anything about Dennis Rader, that's the least surprising thing in the world. Anyway, Monk finds a clue. I think though. his first choice. Oh. I think his first choice of name was Monkey. Um. So Monk sees L- a little monkey. Monk sees a little clue, um, to, uh, on his hands, and uh, it is how they find the street musician bit. Correct. He he deducts that he used to play guitar because of the calluses on his hand, and I de- IDs him as a street musician. Correct. Yes. And so, um, sorry, I was I was just doing you know, you're I, definitely googling his name. No, yeah, I was googling Dennis alternate nicknames. Um, yeah, he gave up the asphyxiator, the witch. Eh, the Wichita hangman's not bad. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then we apparently learned based on his fingerprints, his name is Cyrus Canning. And he, what, did, you, did you catch what street he lives on? Lives on Folsom? Yes, not Vinton. I was waiting for a Vinton Street, but no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I actually paid attention. I remember hearing it because yeah. Folsom's like, well, so is Vinton, but yeah. And. The FBI is just like, all right, all hands on deck. Bring every Emmy down here. We're going to find out what the exact cause of death was so we can f- like figure out this guy's M.O. Don't rest until you find it out. And that Correct. doesn't seem but they at all... the time. But, yeah, go. Oh, right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but they also find a note. Mm-hmm. Uh, find, like, they, they go over the note. It had been found already. They already said that they had it. But basically the note predicts – or no, not predicts. Guarantees. Threatens another death. Yeah, it guarantees another death in 36 hours. Unless what? There Was there like a no, demand? No, because there's going to be one. It's a cleansing. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, It's a cleansing. So it's like, you know, typical, uh, that kind of shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he calls himself the six-way killer. Uh, yes. And then we cut to, um, we're on the, uh, on like the truck, the science truck, the FBI truck. And Monk is in a predicament that many of us have been in. He can't find his seatbelt. Yeah, and you know, like I'm always a seatbelt guy too. Oh, like, yeah. there's no chance I'm not gonna throw that on. Oh yeah. So we. So they start. He like he starts freaking out about it, and you know, Agent Thorpe reminds him like this shit is built like a tank. Like you're good. Like no matter what. And you know, Monk's got a very delicate brain. He's got a very. It's it's his most important uh, mm-hmm. feature. So he's got to protect mm-hmm. it at all times. Exactly. Respect. Mm-hmm. Respect. 
And so he ends up switching spots with uh, Natalie, who has a seatbelt on her chair. And he's, but now he's like, there's no, the, not the dual restraint. And I'll tell you this, if I'm ever sitting somewhere and it's just the lap thing, I really feel like I'm not wearing pants. You know what I mean? I just feel unprotected. Like, it just feels like... Oh, is that what that means? Is that what that well, means? Because like, yeah, it just has the lap as opposed to also the shoulder. Because just the lap, like, that's oh, okay. like, you know... Maybe if you run over, like, a speed bump, you'll be fine. But if you get in a car crash, pff, you might as well not be on anything. That's true. That's actually yeah. not true. I, I'm just talking on my ass. You don't have to say that's true when I say something stupid. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just mean, like, yeah, I would it feel feels less weird. safe with just wearing a lap band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, no and uh, so... Basically, Monk is kind of like, he's stuck on a lot of details. He's like, why 36 and why six ways? And of course, you know, the tech guys, like, it's probably, we think it's the Bible. 666, the number of the beast. Um, and uh, that's just dumb. Because it's 666, it's not six, you know? Right. I mean, like, maybe you could do, like, the three by six, like, the 36 hours, sure. Mm. But, like, still, you have another six there, so then you're at fucking 24. Can I tell you one of the dumbest details in a movie I've ever seen? So in the two th- year, I think nineteen ninety nine, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, f- like horror thriller, End of Days, where Arnold Schwarzenegger. I love that you've movie. Seen it? I-, I mean, I've seen it, but it's been such I a saw, long time. But I when I was a kid, it, I liked no, it. No, it's horrible. I watched it like five years ago, uh, and there's a bit where basically the plot of it is that the devil comes to Earth at once a millennia and has tries to impregnate like a special someone, like a prophesized girl with the Antichrist. And apparently, a priest explains that the reason why it's in the every millennia is because it's at the end of a year ending with 999. Because when St. Paul or St. Peter, whichever one had the dream of 666, when he had the dream of 666, quote, sometimes dreams are upside down, and he actually saw 999. <laughs> oh my that's god. Actually, that's the explanation of it. That. that dreams are upside down, so 666 is actually 999. And the guy who wrote that movie ended up, one, writing the movie Hollow Man, which also sucks. And creating Castle. So shouts to how uh, shitty movies can be written by people who are very successful in television. Anyway. Uh, I need to watch End of Days again. It's clearly. really bad. It, it really You don't have to. Gabriel Byrne is like really going for it as the devil, and I appreciate that. But you really don't. Um, now, Hollow Man is fun to rewatch, because that's bad in a lot of funny ways. Um, but anyway. So they are doing some deep... They're doing some research on this guy, and they see that there's ferret hair on him. And he recently went to a dry cleaner. Um, or the two details that Correct. pick up, which I don't know why I wrote down because it's not important. Yeah, I wrote that down too, but obviously I didn't know that it wasn't important, so fuck me, I guess. And then uh, speaking of fuck you, that's what they're thinking yeah. when Monk does what? Yeah, he ends up fucking up like, uh, you know, he's trying to write down some clues for himself and stuff. So he starts writing on a surface, mm-hmm. what ends up being like a TV screen slash he's thinking it's a blackboard. So, in order to, like, once they, like, call him out for that, he takes out, like, a little spray that he found in there and starts spraying it to, like, kind of wipe it off. But luckily for him, before he starts to actually try to wipe it off, the Agent Thorpe explains that... Oh, no, no, not Agent Thorpe. The other guy explains that, basically, it's hydrochloric acid something. Acid. I don't know how that compares hydrofluoric to acid. hydrochloric acid, but not good based on what it's doing to the TV. It has the same effect, basically. Now, have you ever seen someone do that in real life with a marker? Uh, what? Right on a surface that was, like, electronic? No, absolutely I remember, not. This, I actually wasn't in the room for it, but I remember in my middle school, because my whole town I grew up in, before I got there, was destroyed by a hurricane. And so all my my middle school and my high school were both brand new and state-of-the-art. And so they had, like, touch boards. Okay. Um, uh, like, they had, like, basically every class had... Smart boards. Yeah, smart boards. They're by Promethean. Uh, I mean, Prometheus. Promethean, yeah did it uh yeah, yeah and i remember there was a math class where apparently like one like the superintendent or, like the assistant superintendent came in to like say hello and he was he literally was like an 80 year old man and grabbed a marker and wrote all on the whiteboard and they had to like you know pay a thousand dollars to get it clean because you can't just use <laughs> regular stuff on it anyway great stuff um so uh we cut to after that monk gets basically kicked off the case briefly and He's with Julie. And I like these. I like more. It's Monk and Julie. I think they have a really good rapport. Oh, yeah. So basically, you know, Monk is babysitting because he's been kicked off the case in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, to which Julie reminds him, like, you know, I think you're a genius, which he is. Mm-hmm. We know this. Um, so he sees her, like, you know, chatting on their computer. Or well, he doesn't know mm-hmm. it's chatting, but she's on her computer. And 
he is interested. You know, he he feels a little bit insecure judging from everything that's happened to him in this episode. He needs to get up on his uh, on his technology. So Julie thinks that uh, I mean, no, she's gonna help him out. Look, he see, uh, he asks a pretty question. He says, "Could you teach me a computer?" Which is great, and also couldn't. Yeah, it definitely reminded me of when uh, Trump said in the one debate, I think in 2016, where he said Barron knows a lot about cyber. Um, <laughs> Who does? Barron, his son, he knows a lot about cyber. Is oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, um, reminds me of uh, when George W. said, I hear this rumor about me on the internet. Oh, classic. I mean, the best yeah. George W. Bush quote, and this is completely off topic, is, what is it? It's, uh, um, you know, we have a saying in Texas, I think we have it here, I think it's here in Tennessee, yep. fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you don't get fooled again. Anyway. No, no, no. It's, you can't fool me twice. I think. No, I, you could be right. But the important part is he doesn't know the saying. Anyway, so yes. Monk is basically using a ma- the mouse very gingerly. And mm-hmm. he eventually makes his way over to click on extreme go-karts. Um, and uh, we don't get any good footage of that. It's kind of- I guess, I guess I, are you too young for a dude you're getting a Dell reference? I remember it. I, I don't remember it that okay. well, but I do remember it vaguely. Um yeah, they're on a nice Dell computer. Yes. Nice. Uh, I had a Dell a couple times in my life. Um, and then Julie says to set him up an email account. And I had to double check that this episode came out in 2007 because this website to set him an email looks like it's from 1999, you know? Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> it's it's really not great. Um, but, you know, she's going to set him up with an email account and a screen name. And, uh, of course, his screen name, Mr. Monk. Mm-hmm. And take a fucking wild guess what his password is. Uh, what does he care about a lot? What does he care about a lot? What does he care about a lot? Oh, Trudy. Yep. And Julie's like, well, the whole point of a password is so that you're the only person that knows it, not everybody else that has spent more than 30 seconds with mm-hmm. you. But he can't think of anything else, so they go Trudy. And then, lo and behold, Monk is on the World Wide Web. Welcome to 1998. Great joke, you know, great joke from Julie, you know, definitely uh, gets the, the comedic timing from her mother. Um, and then we cut to late that night, Monk is, I guess, took Julie's computer, um, and yeah. he's got a little, uh, he's got a little thing of canned air. Um, yeah, thank God he's not getting high off of it. Yeah, but, that was uh, the first yeah, thing I thought, uh... it's like, the only time that I ever think about <laughs> canned air is when I think about people getting high off of it. Yeah, sadly. And then he has a little mini vacuum. And he is just, he's over the moon. He's so happy to be on the web. Yeah, he's so happy. And, um, you know, we hear like some sort of sound prompt, which prompts him to call Natalie in in the middle of the night. And she asks him, like, what's going on? Like, why are you so, like, amped? And basically explains that he was playing solitaire. And if, I mean, we're all, we've all been there. We played solitaire on our PCs. What happens when you win? The cards start dancing, mm-hmm. baby. Exactly. And she's like, what time is it? And he finds it out. It's 2.55.44. And in Moscow, it's one fifty-five. In Singapore, I think it's cut off. Um, yep. Which, that reminds me yeah, of... And Natalie uh, hangs up on him. That reminds me of that, uh, a, I'm going to say a friend of mine. I didn't know him past my freshman year because he was a senior at the time in college. But it's like the head of the sketch group at NYU at the time who uh, is named Peter, really good guy. I don't know what he's doing comedy writing-wise now. But in his apartment, he had on the wall five analog clocks all set to the same time. And you know how, like, in, like, official buildings, it would be, like, uh, New York, certain time, Chicago, certain time, L.A., certain time, Moscow, you know, where they have all the time zones? Yeah. Instead, it was all set to the Eastern time zone, and it was New York, Boston, Miami, Charlotte, oh Washington. Oh, my God. What's the fucking point? Because it's funny, that's why. <laughs> no, no, I know. He was a comedy writer, you know? He was a big, uh, big laugh guy. Not really. That, he would, that, yeah, be, that, if you're, I, I realize if you do comedy in any sort of professional sense, the last thing in the world you want to be called is a big laugh guy. <laughs> anyway. A big laugh guy. Thank you. I hope you say that about me one day. Uh, you know, I'll, you bring in the ha-has all the time. And so then Monk discovers a disc tray, which is kind of funny, because I haven't had a disc tray on two consecutive computers. Um... But what does he think the disc tray is for? He thinks the disc tray is uh, a uh, like a, a a cup a coaster. Which honestly, not a bad idea. At this point, you probably get just as much utility out of it as that as actual disc tray, um, you know. But anyway, uh, we then cut to it's the daytime. 
there's three hours until the next murder. They're in the police station. And we learn that the six-way killer killed... I mean, killed. Called the radio station. And Monk comes moseying in with Julie's computer. And he is, once again, over the moon. Yeah, you know, he can't he can't stop. Like, he's... First of all, it's super hilarious that he's using a Dell that has, like, a bunch of flowers all over it. Not sure if that was an option, but good for him if it mm-hmm. was. Or good for Julie. Um... So he's he's super excited. Like everything that happens, any sound that comes from the computer, he's freaking out. He ends up getting an email. Well, first he well, has he's to, booting up. He has to, yeah, yeah, he's booting up. He's got to plug in the internet. Um, he, and he messes around with and, it a little bit. He kind of switches. Yeah, he messes around with it a little bit, and this like confused me for a second. So yeah, he like switches stuff in the modem, and he's like, also while he's listening to this whole briefing going on, he's also. Uh, Basically, seeing all of Julie's friends chat each other up. Well, first he gets an email that subject line is bigger guaranteed. So, you know, um, he's getting a little dick pill advertisement. Um, and uh, he, um, as is all going on, he is he's getting uh, a t- messages in Julie's computer. And at the same time, the six-way killer calls in. And they got to do the thing that they do in every crime show. They got to trace the call. Yeah, my whole thing is like, why the fuck do you have to have him? Well, the timer says three minutes. They don't hold him on for three minutes. The timer minutes does not say three minutes. It. it says three hours. It's counting down until the next murder. Oh, shit. Okay. I, yeah, I only I, knew I that, that you were thinking that because I thought it too, and then I realized, oh, wait, that's the murder clock. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing I don't understand is so basically what ends up happening is that the trace ends up going to the address that Monk types in, which is where Julie's at the sleepover. Now, I understand that Monk switched out the Ethernet, but how would he – how would typing it yes. into a chat make the computer think that that's where the call is coming from? That, that, that Correct. Just go, I think that unfortunately that's just the case that the show was written by people who are in their 40s or 50s at the time. Like that just is yeah. not – I hate to say it, but like you, it, that is clearly whoever wrote that just does not understand how computers work, unfortunately. No, correct. That's why I was like, what the fuck? Why would they even have that? Like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, like, it would be one so thing if on. you would, like, be tracing where the message was coming from. Like, if someone at Julie's sleepover was messaging him, and they could say, like, oh, it was tracing correct. that message. But all he did was type in the address, and, like, that's not how that works. Anyway, correct. it is still funny to see that SWAT rolls up, and, uh... I was waiting for you to finish my sentence. I said SWAT rolls up and... Yeah, SWAT rolls up and, you know, they, they're they going over the whole thing. And they're, you know, they're bust, they, they have the people with the battering rams, all that shit. And they pull up to the address, sure enough. Smack open the door and what are they greeted by? They're greeted by a bunch of screaming little girls. And, you know, um, I appreciate the accuracy of as someone who was having sleepovers at that time. That they, it wasn't like, that they had air mattresses and stuff and, you know, random blankets around. Like, you could tell uh, that it was probably written by some people who were having kids with sleepovers at the time. Um, I, could, I could just tell you what a sleepover looked like in 2007 and definitely looked like a lot of air mattresses in the front room. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, no one's going to have sleeping bags for this in in California. I was going to say California. I mean, there's some sleeping bags, but usually it was air mattresses and stuff because, you know. I mean, great technology. Big fan of air mattresses. I mean, I don't like sleeping on air mattresses, but in terms of a technological achievement, pretty good. Um, yep. And so, Bunk obviously gets admonished for this. Um, he gets sent home should, and gets undressed, honest, basically. I don't think he deserves to be undressed. This guy's being a little rude. But he does deserve yeah. probably to get sent home for this. <laughs> no, absolutely. Big mistake. But, yeah, again, uh, unforced error because we're still not clear on how the hell this could have happened anyways. Yes, we cut to Dr. Kroger, and um, this is where we learn that Monk doesn't think is a real serial killer, um, which Monk is right about, which is good for him, because even though he kills two people, he's not a serial killer. Correct, and, you know, he's right, but also, you know, as a result of, like, everything happening and him getting kicked out, uh, I guess, twice mm-hmm. now, yeah. at this point, he believes that he's never going to get back on the force, which, um, if I have everything correct, spoiler alert, you're never going to get on yeah. there. Uh, and he says there's no room for a dinosaur, um, which is what you could say about, you know, for example, the uh, human history wing of the Museum of Natural History. No room for a dinosaur. Um, mm-hmm. That's so stupid. Um, if they were to – oh, how about this? If they were to demolish 
uh, fuck, I don't remember what corner of Animal Kingdom it is. You could say there's no room for a dinosaur because that's where the dinosaur ride is. I'm trying to think of another way that you could use the phrase no room for a dinosaur. Anyway, um, I'm just searching for a joke where there isn't one. Don't worry, guys. Uh, and he said at some point he got passed by, you know? Um, yeah, he's losing, he he's losing his edge. Yeah, he never changed while the whole world around him did. But, you know, Kroger reaffirms him. He tells him, like, hey, like, the fact of the matter is, is you've put a lot of bad guys behind mm-hmm. bars. And you did that all without a computer. The most important computer for you, my friend, is your head. Hey, don't forget, hey, we still have not even come close to designing a computer that is, can process as fast as the human mind, I think. I don't know if that's true. Um, actually, no, it's not that. It's that we haven't been able to come up with code that is as good as DNA. We've passed the brain, but not DNA. So shouts to DNA. Um, or been able to find anything that's as remotely satisfying as a nice, crisp Coca-Cola. That's correct. Or what I'm drinking now, a nice, crisp Moscow Mule. Yeah, I was going to say you're Mulein earlier, but I... I, I, I am. I'm, I'm Robert Mueller. Um, did you, Guess what I was drinking. Uh, I know. I saw I saw you pour the glass bottle of the Mexican Coke. Uh, there was some maker's mark in there. I, I mean, I also saw that, too. I'm not going to pretend like I don't, you know. But I, I the, the great thing yeah. about a Moscow Mule, too, is that you can just... If you see someone drinking out of this cup, it's like, oh... You already know what kind of... There's only one drink you have out of this cup. Yeah, there's only one yeah. drink. Um, and uh, then Dr. Gordon mentions that he's like John Henry, man versus machine, which is a reference I have, don't know. Did you know this reference? Not at all. I, the only John... I don't even know a John Henry. I mean, John Henry's the owner of the Red Sox, but that's not who... Uh, oh, right. I don't know if that's, that's who you're thinking him. of, but... Um, and... I was thinking of Mark Henry, sexual chocolate. Right. Or Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. Um, yeah, yeah, him too. Um, or uh, Travis Henry, former Buffalo Bills running back. There's a lot of Henrys. Um, former prolific scorer. <laughs> uh, was he the one well, that had like a thousand kids? Travis Henry? Tra- he- uh, let me look this up. That, this, is, yes, this is more important uh, than this episode. I'm pretty sure he is, dude. Yes, he has like yes, 10 he has kids. He has 11 kids, correct. <laughs> Paul. Oh my god. Exactly. Like, yeah. uh, uh, he's like Antonio Camardi. Um, that's my favorite. My favorite joke is always like talk about a prolific score. Some anyone that has over like ten kids. I, I'm so White mad. Howard. Yeah, I'm so mad. No one liked my. Not that many people liked my tweet when uh, when load management started being a thing in the NBA, and I tweeted someone should teach Dwight Howard about load management. Not many people. Oh liked it. boy. <laughs> Did I? I don't know if you. I don't know if you've been. I don't know if you were following me, but I don't know if we were close at the time. So maybe not. Anyway. Okay. Um. So, Dr. Gordon mentions the least surprising fact in the world, that he was in a folk band in college. Because, of course he was. Like, that's just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he were around now, he would definitely be doing slam poetry, 100%. No, I think he actually would be beyond. I think he would probably be doing folk still. Like, I think the, the slam poetry is actually a little too mainstream for him now at this point. Okay, fine. Because um, I guess, like, what I'm imagining, like, I imagine he was clearly stoned out of his mind at all times. And I just feel like that's not slam poetry anymore. And I think because of, like, this whole folk thing, I think that's what really gives Monks the heebie-jeebies while he's doing this whole thing. Because folk people... Because we know he hates yeah, hippies. He hates hippies. And honestly, I'm not crazy about folk music. I mean, I don't like folk music, and I definitely don't like the type of people who sing it. Um, so he starts... Did you like Inside Lewin Davis? I actually have never seen Inside Lewin Davis. Sorry. Oh, damn. Mo- honestly, mostly because I don't like folk music, and it's just never, you know, bothered bother to watch it. I get it. Um, I got you. And, uh, I mean, I'll get around to it at some point. A lot, a lot of the lesser Cullens I haven't seen. Anyway... Um, he sings a song, and I'll tell you this, if my therapist started singing during a session, um, it would be the end of the session, and I've been with her for, like, six years, and I owe her a lot, but that'd be the end of the session. Yeah. But, so, yeah, Kroger really goes off, and, you know, he starts going through the whole rigmaroles of the whole song, and it explains about how, first, Kroger explains that the song is basically about how John Henry... Uh, you know, went he won against the overcoming machine. Yes, he was a guy with um, a hammer, and he beat a machine. Correct, like a drill or yeah. some shit. And so then, like that's cool that like that works for Monk. But then he gets into the second part of the song, and it basically talks about he how he worked so fucking hard that he just died. To which Monk is like, "Wait, he died?" Mm-hmm. And Kroger immediately knows he fucked yeah. up, and Monk is out. Yeah. So Monk, yeah, he goes away, and we're back on the science truck, uh, and. They work up a psychological profile about uh, him. Basically, that his dad, the, the killer, his dad was a failed musician, so he hates street performers. And I'll tell you this: your dad doesn't need to be a failed musician to hate street performers. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Um, You're right. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, my dad's a, a failed nothing. And, you know, I know. Um, I just want to say that phrase. Uh, so yeah. Summer's like, no, you're wrong about Monk. Um, and he's like, oh, so you think that your quirky little friend is smarter than this truck, which is half a billion dollars worth of equipment? Yes. Yeah, which is like, really, you're going to put that much into one fucking truck? Yeah, I'm sure, bro. Yeah, exactly. That's a half billion dollars. I mean, I'll be... The way that the federal government spends money on law enforcement and military and stuff like that actually doesn't surprise me that I think about it. Correct. But, I mean, all this is leading to one fucking thing. The best part of the episode. Yes. Which is, uh, yes, they say that he's Agent, Th- Agent yeah, Thorpe. Go. Go. Yes. So Agent Thorpe wants all the musicians off the street except for one. And that would be our good friend, Randall Disher. And, I mean, not only is Randall Disher a musician in this... It's like it's like they decided how can we make Randy look as ridiculous as possible? <laughs> yeah, so they go like the mist, uh, the I don't remember what his name was, but the guy from fucking uh, Mary Poppins. Ex- yes, Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. Um, I meant his character. I knew. Yeah, no, name. no, I know, I know. I don't remember his character. I haven't seen Mary Poppins. Uh, I yeah, yeah. I don't even know. If I saw him when I was like three, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's fine. Um, that's a hot take. I actually have no opinion on it. Um, and so he's singing, what, and what song is he singing? I, I don't know what it's called, but I'm guessing it's called Baby, I Don't Need a Badge? Oh, yeah. I, it, I, I, don't don't, badge? I think it's I Don't Need a Badge. Um, I okay. apologize, sorry Jason Gray Sanford, if we got it wrong. Um, there's no way he yeah. listens. Um, and <laughs> I love what Stott says, which is, there's, what, what's the problem with this sting, according to Stott? Um, I, what, is it just that he hates the well, song no, it's because that, it's a diss it's that, against him? If someone kills Randy, they don't know that it's a six-way killer, because Stop might kill him. Right, yeah, 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 because he hates the fucking song, because it's just a diss track, basically. Yeah, imagine, imagine how much your boss would have to like you, that if you quit your job, wrote a diss track about your boss, and then he let you back <laughs> in again. I mean, to be fair, he could be assured almost... Like one hundred percent that like no more than like twenty five people ever heard that mm-hmm. song. I mean, and the thing is, that's kind of sucks. It's a banger. It's it's one of those like you know you know what they say about like, the Velvet Underground that not many people bought their albums, but everyone who did started their own band. I feel like that's what it is about this song. Not many people listen to the Rain District Project, but everyone did made shitty garage rock too. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna start a band. Hey man, if you need someone to not play an instrument. Um, Hey, back in the day, I used to write. I used to write lyrics because I was good at poetry, and there's no good way to do that if you're a guy, uh, if you're a kid. There's no one. You're not encouraged to write poetry. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, apparently there's like 25 minutes left, and Stalmer's like, you know, one of your gizmos isn't gonna solve this crime. Um, ah. Yes. And of course, someone's like a guy who looks suspicious is approaching. Um, and they tackle him because he's pulling something out of his pocket. But what was he pulling out of his pocket? He was pulling out a uh, harmonica. But we didn't mention is the fact that like there was like a little scene intercut mm. with this where Natalie and Monk are walking the streets and Monk solves the crime. Right, uh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, that happens that. right before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intercut. you're right. No, no. All right, so that happens. But uh, yeah, as that's happening, Monk solves the crime because he makes a joke as they're passing the San Francisco Museum of Natural History. You should get the medical, basically the doctor, whatever his name is, to like embalm me so they can put me with the dinosaurs. Basically, the joke he makes, and Natalie's like, yep. he's busy, you know, doing the six-way killer thing, and then it dawns on him, he solved the case. Yeah, you know, um, so yeah, they they head to the after like the whole bust, the fake bust with, or no, the bust with freaking the harmonica player. Just he was just trying jam. to play. He yeah. Was, yeah, he just wanted a jam. That's all it was. Um, so you know. Technology zero, monk oh, it's a great zero shot of at this point. Randy on his back, like on the drum, <laughs> like a turtle. Like a turtle, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they head back to the ME um, because the one of the the second agent gets a text message or something yes. from Natalie saying that Monk solved the crime. So they head to the ME, and uh, according to Monk, Six Way Killer. He was also involved in the lady who died because yeah, she, the he, street musician mm-hmm. was strictly a distraction. Thorpe comes in like, she doesn't matter, which is like, what? that's a fucking dead woman. God. Yes, I, correct. I mean, that's just so rude. It don't, you can't say someone doesn't. That just, hey, come on. There's a, yeah. there's a very More cheesy like, Doctor Who line that's coming to mind. And I cannot emphasize how cheesy this is. But there's a bit in the episode where like it's like a fake Christmas carol type thing where Michael Gambon's like a crotchety old man and he says about like a 
poor woman, like, don't matter, she doesn't matter. And then the doctor says in his very knowing doctor voice of, you know, I've been around the universe for a thousand years, and that's strange. I've never met anyone who doesn't matter before. But that's true. Come on. Everyone matters. Stop it. Anyway. Exactly. So, yes, he was a diversion because... Uh, yeah, it was a diversion because we go through the what what happened, right? So Monk refers to the fact that I don't remember what the whole thing with the car was. Was that like it was her car? They found his. They found the killer's car at some point. It's not. I mean, it doesn't actually. It doesn't matter that that much. That it was cognac in it is the important part. Correct. It was cognac, and they mentioned the fact that cognac was on the sleeve of of Jean Garnett. Yeah. So Monk deduces that Miss Garnett met a doctor at the convention. Um, they went to dinner together, and it must also, have been a he, special dinner. Also, she is way out of his league, it, by the way. This guy's ugly. Uh, correct. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, she, yeah, they went to dinner, and it had to have been a special dinner because they must have had something that could have only been traced to that restaurant. Um, apparently, the man might have paid with a credit card, and they met later, and, like, teenagers drank in his car. Something happened. She took off, and he, like, basically beat her and to fucking death. And let me just death. point out that he somehow has... He straight up has cognac snifters in his car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he I don't know. Must be a mean, bad drunk. Yeah, yeah, a fancy drunk though. <laughs> a fancy bad yeah. drunk. Um. So yeah. So he took off, and she obviously died upon hitting the the, or you know, falling on the floor in front of the gas station mm-hmm. or whatever. Um. So that basically leads everything to the the doctor needing to do another crime. Hopefully a serial killer or something that will take all the attention off of this, like, seemingly random crime. Um, because he needed at least 36 hours for whatever meal that would have been traced to that restaurant to have been digested. Yes. Um, you know, uh, and it almost worked. He was 10 minutes short. Um, and so they pull out the stomach contents, and there are gold flecks and flower petals. Um, and Natalie recognizes it as a gold leaf cake at Justine's. Um, right. Which shouts to, you know, Natalie going on fancy dates where she's being taken to places where they serve gold. Um, you know? Yeah, no, good for her. I mean, I've, uh, not that I would expect anyone to take me out for that, but, you know, good on her. I mean, apparently edible gold is completely useless. It doesn't taste like anything. Um, but, you know, not... Yeah. I wonder how expensive it is as opposed to, like, regular gold. I mean, gold, it's very, very thin. Um, and I assume it's probably... I just want to say this. Even though it doesn't taste any, like anything, it's completely useless. That does not mean that I wouldn't eat it. Because a good 35% of things I do on a daily basis are just to say I did them. And so, you know, like that's an ultimate thing. Like, I ate gold. Um, anyway, uh, they solve the case. And the time's up. And the guy, of course, uh, Thorpe's watch keeps going off and he can't turn it off. Showing that technology loses this time. Um, Kasparov beats Deep Blue here. Mm-hmm. Um I just want to drop that reference at some point. I don't know why, um, but uh, I'm glad you did. Uh, yeah, if if anyone, if you guys want a monk podcast where someone just apropos of nothing drops the name of the IBM computer that beats someone in chess, this is the right one. Um, okay. Well, what I'm unclear of is obviously at this point they go to the restaurant, right? No, I think that's happened? the hotel he's staying at. Oh, okay, that's what it is because I was unclear on why the hell they were there. Mm-hmm. And they catch him. So they, well, ca- they, they, they f- yeah, they catch him. And, well, they catch Well, he runs away, and how does Stott catch him? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he. I was going to say some Philip Rivers shit, but actually, that's not a good example. But yeah, he basically pegs him with a uh, with a like a BlackBerry or something. Wait, Stottmeyer pegs the guy. Jeez, I didn't know this was NC seventeen. Oh shit. Yeah, no, not that. Uh, he hits him with like a, a BlackBerry phone. He, an he older grabs one, the tech guys. One like palm pilot type thing and he throws it out and hits him um and then he says look your gizmo did catch the killer which great yep. stuff great stalmeyer stuff i mean i love it um and uh then that's then we get to the last scene and monk's doing a good thing he is handwriting apology notes to julie's friends which yeah is the right thing and to do. um correct um and you know natalie offers her laptop for him to be able to just mass produce this but I guess he's done with technology. That's enough for him. Man, you know what I just thought of? I love the line in uh, Gone Girl, um, great movie, where when uh, Ben Affleck is playing video games and he has his laptop, and uh, Rosamund Pike is like, eh, uh, what are you doing? Gaming. And what's the laptop for? Laptopping. 
<laughs> I think about that a lot. Oh, I didn't even. I don't even remember uh, that. I mean, I love that movie a lot. Um, shouts. I own it. I just I've only seen it twice. Uh, I, think. I I saw it in theaters with my parents, which is a lot of fun. Jesus Christ! And I, and I think okay. I do. I say uh, every time I mention that, I do it as a joke. It really. I think my parents and I don't have an open relationship like talking about sex and stuff but sex is also never awkward when we see it in a movie I think just because we never talk about it at all <laughs> like it just like it was not awkward at all honestly and you're older because like I remember when I was well it must have been like I don't know whenever the hell the movie Un- Unfaithful mm-hmm. came out I went to the movie theaters and I watched that with my parents mm. right I don't know why um, and about halfway through, after like quite a few scenes of uh, Diane, Diane Lane, Lane getting plowed Olivier by Martinez, Olivier Martinez, yeah, yeah um, I had to call it quits, and I left and went to the theater um, next door, and I ended up watching uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, by myself. Uh, I actually just watched Unfaithful for the first time like a month ago. Um, okay, wow. I uh, honestly, it's because uh, the rewatchables did a podcast on it, and Wesley Morris was on it, and I love listening to Wesley Morris talk about erotic thrillers. So yeah. Um, really? Fuck, I didn't hear that one. But, I love Russell Moore. Yeah, but what I was going to say is that, uh, I don't know, I think it's just like, I think be- I think also because I come, my family's very much, we love to watch stuff together, and I think that there's just such an understanding of like, in the same way that I started watching like PG-13 movies when I was like seven or eight, and it was just an understanding if you just don't repeat the words, and like stuff like that, I just feel like it was like, I don't know, it just never really been awkward um, watching stuff. The, the, the most awkward thing is not the thing I'm always worried about whenever it comes to anything explicit around my parents. And even when, like, I started when I was like a, get like 17 or 18, when the first time I ever like swore around my parents, the thing I was always worried about was not my mom getting offended and not my dad getting offended, but my dad pretending to get offended on behalf of my mom. Like, Jake, don't say that in front of your mother. It's like, Dad, I've been swearing in front of mom for like three years. Like, what are you talking about? She doesn't care. Like, what do you mean? Anyway, um, classic dad stuff. Uh, I, f- yep. I feel like a lot of people relate to that with their dads being like, oh, th- your mother doesn't like that. It's like, are you sure you just don't like it? Anyway, um, shouts to both my parents. I. And both my parents love Gone Girl because it's a great movie. Speaking of great things or not great things, what do you give this episode out of 10? Um,. I originally gave it an 8. I'm bringing it down to 7.5. I originally gave it a 7.5, and I'm staying there. It's solid. It's fine. I think that the thing we need to talk about is, like, a lot of the scenes take really, literally long. Like. Yeah, when he's on the computer mm-hmm. and shit. Like, that takes away. Well, because we know that it's not, not a serial killer in the end, I guess that kind of answers that. But I was just like, damn, I kind of wish it was more about yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what this all this is about is uh that's a terrible transition follow us on twitter at strictly monken andre when people follow you you could follow me at andre barrera and you can follow me at the jake christie uh please rate you subscribe and keep listening keep telling your friends if this is the type of thing that you trust your friends to listen to godspeed um but more important than all that tune in next week as we talk about the season finale of season five Mr. Mom goes to the hospital. Let's get monkey.